0: motivate and improve the productivity of your team, Surefire fire to attract you. So, as you know, Franchise Simply is committed to ensuring you're informed about all relevant topics, particularly including leadership and development and so forth. So, um, it's great to be with you again. Uh, I'm a as always, you know I love these interviews, I've Got another celebrity guest, someone I've chased around the world, literally, and I think you'll find if you don't know Tim Wade, uh, he'll inspire you and he'll surprise you. A quick reminder, I have a pen and paper ready, because I guarantee you'll want to take lots of notes. uh, That's for sure. And for our members, just to mention to you that this radio show will be in our vault, along with the other 88, uh, very shortly. So, um, Tim Way. Tim is a global keynote speaker. Speaks at conferences for a living uh, to audiences as large as 10,000 people. He speaks and trains on a range of subjects, motivating, positive change, sharing leadership strategies, change management steps, and performance development actions that managers and leaders can implement to make a positive difference. Stand back for his clients, because they include brands such as Ferrari, HSBC, Daimler, Shell, Unilever, Cotton Deloitte, Cafe Pacific, governments, churches, prisons, and universities and associations. So, an uh, amazing core of, uh, of, of clients. He's got a background in psychology, has developed online programs titled Promotion, Pay Rise, and Skit Sales Training Series. He's co-authored a number of business books, written children's books. Uh, He's married to Lydia and has a daughter, Zoe, and they live in Singapore. And the the last point is critical, with their lazy cat, Bobo. So, (laughs) Tim, welcome to the Franchise Radio Show. Lovely to have you here.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Uh, have we got the cat on your lap as well?
1: No, he's been banished from the room, although he wasn't really moving very much anyway.
0: Right, OK. Well, so to, to, to share some of these quick-fire ideas to implement and uh, for actions to execute, uh, Tim, let's get firing with some questions. We've got some uh, some interesting stuff here. So what's your most commonly sought-after keynote speech?
1: Uh, when I keynote, I I think most clients will ask for, if they're asking for a motivational session, they will choose my mindset of victory keynote. So I've got a couple of different keynotes that I that are very popular. I've got lots that I can do, but there's a few that are commonly sought after. The mindset of victory one is a really important one because it's getting people to think that, that the change, the opportunity, the target, the goals, the results are possible. And once we get them into a positive, possibility thinking mindset, then they can start thinking about ways to get from where they are to where they need to be to hit those results or to hit those targets or to reach out to those customers or or whatever it is. So it's really getting them in the, in the game, in the mindset game rather than the, the complain game, I guess. So that's one of them. And the other one is motivate positive change, which is really about leading and embracing change initiatives. So if I'm getting brought in by a large corporate, it's, It could be because they're going through a lot of change. Some of their staff are change weary and they're bringing me in to say, hey, guys, you know, this is normal. This is where we're at. This is this is a this is a normal aspect of a growing, adapting organization. This is a good place to be. Obviously, if the organization is shrinking and collapsing, it may not be a great place to be. But if it's growing and expanding, then there's lots of opportunities for everybody. And it's a really great place to be. So they're the two main ones I guess I'm talking about.
0: But that's why, having seen you in action and met you on a couple of occasions, I was particularly attracted to uh, to chase you down for this conversation because franchising is a change sector, and uh, franchising, in fact, is one of the one of the key and original disruptors. So, uh, your certainly your core topics there fit very very well, hand in glove. So, um, I suppose a question that came to mind, um, I was discussing with someone else, was that. You work with a lot of lin- leaders across lots of industries, as I've indicated earlier. And um, what are the most common challenges that uh, you see business leaders face, as a rule?
1: Uh, common challenges. When, well, I've asked them actually. So it was uh, when I'm speaking with audiences. Sometimes I will poll the audience with a number of different questions, or if I've. If I'm doing training programs, so sometimes I have multi-day training programs, I'm able to to get a bit more information from the individuals about some of the key challenges that they're facing as well. In fact, I asked I asked a retail um, a retail organization, a large retail organization in Singapore, Malaysia, and Indonesia, about the skills and training that managers need regarding change. So this was one of the questions I was asking, and the top three that they mentioned was leadership training people management skills and effective communication skills and the interesting thing was the people in the room that were answering these questions were the leaders and they were saying they need leadership training not just them but their their next level down needs a leadership training as well they need people management skills to be able to manage uh, they, they kind of they know where they want to go or where they have to go or where they've been told to go they know what the results and the kpis are they just need the skills to be able to manage the group of people under them who are, who are not robots. They're a diverse range of people with different cultural backgrounds, especially in this part of the world. I mean, actually everywhere now, but, uh, but certainly here as well, they've, they've got a real melting pot of cultures, beliefs, backgrounds. And so how do you manage people with, with these different backgrounds, but also how do you manage people uh, in different generations? And some of the challenges over in this part of the world uh, from the generation side is uh, over here, you can have quite a structure of respect for your elders. And if you're a young manager managing people who are older than you, that really has some challenges as well. And then the third one was effective communication skills. How do we translate, communicate, inspire, encourage? Uh, So that was with regards to the skills and and training that they needed. Uh, I also, Brian, I also asked a group of, CEOs and chairmen, chairpersons, I suppose, but uh, CEOs and chairmen from Kenya and men and women from Kenya and this particular group, they were all CPAs. So that didn't mean that necessarily that they were running their own accounting firm. A lot of them were management accountants within organizations, big and small government and micro. And I was, uh, one of the questions I asked them was what interpersonal challenges do they face at even at a board level or at a senior management level, and and whether you're running a, a small business or part of a large franchise, um, there may be a group of directors or people that you're working with, partners that you're working with, um, that maybe that that you may have some sort of conflict or or disagreement or challenges. And I was asking them what interpersonal challenges did they face, and th- there were. 2,200 people in that audience. And they were, they were saying communication skills was number one. This is even at CEO and, and, and board level. 23% said, said communication skills. 14% said attitude. And that was particular. Um, the, the ones that were highlighting from the responses were anger, people being temperamental, uh, a fear culture, or people being judgmental. And so that sort of attitude, yeah. um, and it was, it, but when you think about it, actually, Brian, it kind of makes sense. If people are in a high-stressed environment and they're getting um, frustrated that things aren't happening, one common way of handling it is to shout at someone. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not yeah, the most effective yeah. way. I mean, actually, it is an effective way uh, to get stuff done is using fear and control to get things done, it is very, very effective. The military use it, it's very, very effective. The only thing that is counter for that one is that people now, people these days have options. It's easier to move than 50 years ago. It's easier to switch jobs and jump ship and and grab something else. Even when jobs are scarce, there's opportunities for people to start their own businesses, to do things online. There's a lot of different opportunities. so the fear one may push people out, but the other thing about the fear one I've found is that it it's very effective to get stuff done in a crisis situation, hence army use it, um, because that is a crisis situation if you're at war, but it is not terribly good um, in long-term employee morale because of... Uh, it breeds resentment, pretty much. You end up resenting the manager who's who's doing it. You ma- and you also end up creating more people like that because people think that that's what I need to do to get ahead hidden in this business. So yes, yeah, so that was 14%. 9% were saying leadership issues. And I think it was 8% were, were talking about how do we manage expectations better with people on the board or, or my business partners. And some of the other things that were coming in here was even at a board level or even at a CEO level, it was, there was... Um, the interpersonal challenges that they were facing was a lack of trust, low confidence, believe it or not, impatience, and importantly, a high level of ego or pride or selfishness. So um, I just found that fascinating, really. At the I found it fascinating for a number of reasons, but I, I found it fascinating that so many people were saying the same thing. Now, that I don't think that that is exclusive only to kenya i think that that is that is something that does go in different parts of the world there are other parts of the world of our things too as well um, but yeah so that was that was one of the ones i was thinking was was pretty amazing i asked also hr managers in india what challenges that they had when experiencing uh, that they experienced when leading change in the past Again, it came up again, poor leadership communication and alignment. The alignment part was new to this one, but poor leadership communication was another echoing one. So it seems to be again and again and again, there's, there, it is communicating my vision, my instruction, my ideas in a way that my next level and the level down from them can really get it and run with it. Um, because if they don't get it and they run in the wrong direction, then you're out of alignment. 42% of the people, when I asked these HR managers when I was doing a conference in in Bombay, in Mumbai, um, 42% were saying it was poor leadership communication and alignment. 33% were saying it was resistance. So the challenges of leading change was resistance to change. Okay, that one we understand. There's lots of different levels of resistance. And then there was 21 of them were saying there was a lack of engagement or complacency which I, I found really interesting as well. A lack of engagement or complacency. And one of the comments that really leapt out when, when I was looking at some of the comments that they were making in, their, in, in this poll that I was doing was one person said, and they, these, they, this is not a, an e-poll, these people were writing it down on cards, uh, and I was collecting the cards, and we were going through it and, and sorting it out because I really wanted, I didn't want to... Um, I didn't want to give them multiple choice so that they were choosing between these things. I wanted the raw top of mind challenge that came to their mind when I asked them that question. But one person wrote down, top management talks about it, but doesn't want to do it. So they talk about it, but they don't want to do it themselves. They don't want to roll up their sleeves and, and get involved themselves, which, which I just I, I found quite interesting as well. The other, the other question I asked them, though, was what worked well in the past and weirdly enough, what didn't work well was poor communication leadership. What worked well, the number one was communication. 37% were saying communication, over-communicate, keep communicating. Uh, when it, It's almost like you communicate to the point where where people are, 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 really, he's saying that again? I mean, I'm so sick of him saying that. That's great. That means they've, they've got it. Um, but importantly here, out of that 37%, 16% was group or uh, group style communication, or it was unspecified. And 21%, the larger amount, the significantly larger amount, 21% of them were saying it was personal communication. And one of the tips I'm going to share today is how to increase, you know, lead, develop, motivate, uh, and increase productivity in our people from that personal communication. Um, so I'll share that in, in a little while. And the other, the other thing that, that worked well from, for these guys in, uh, when leading change in the past was leading by example, 21%. Um, and uh, having change agents and ensuring that the people were engaged, 16% was saying that that really worked well. And 11% was saying coaching and feedback worked really well, which you could bundle in together with the communication and the communication would end up being like 48% or something. But coaching and feedback was, came in at number four. And the, 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 the real phrase that leapt out was creating involved advocates for what we do in our business and, and the change that we're going through at the moment. So that if somebody goes, really, we're doing this change? This, this change sucks. Then the people in your team can go, actually, this is a really good change because of blah, 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 blah. And they start to influence from within circles rather than just hierarchy, uh, hierarchies. Yeah, and the other the other one no, I thought no, I'd sorry. share. Sorry, go ahead, Brian.
0: No, 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 carry
1: on. Well, the the other one I thought I'd share was um, I asked a a really multi I mean, this is a multinational business equipment company um, from Japan, and I asked the Japanese and the Singapore side to this business during during a um, an event that I was doing for them in in Langkawi Island in Malaysia, and. In this particular one, I asked them, how can we better embrace change initiatives in the coming year? How can we better embrace the initiatives? Um, and they said, well, the 32% of them said, be open to change. And so that was about mindset, attitudes, and values and behaviors. And it's, it's easy to sort of sit down and go, well, here's the values of our company and, sit and stick them up on a wall. Um, but pretty much everybody just ignores them Unless it, those values are showing in the way that we lead people, the way that we're communicating, the way that we treat people, whether they're leaving the organization or coming into the organization or during their time there, the way that we conduct our meetings um, and the way that the language that we use and, and we can be explicit. We can, it's really an interesting exercise to think about what would be our, our five values as a business or my five values as a business leader. And a great way to do that, by the way, is to ask a group of people what five words best describe me and see what people say because and then do it yourself for yourself as well. I think these five words describe me and um, and see what everybody else says. I actually did that exercise for myself as well as part of a branding idea that I had earlier this year. And the the. there was a couple of words I used to describe myself that nobody else used. And I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed they didn't use intelligent and uh, optimistic. Or, uh, but, but yeah, but that was, that was that. And the other thing that, that they said about um, embracing change was monetary incentives. How can we better embrace the change? Pay us more money. <laughs> we'll embrace the change. And that one is a, quite a common one. And that's one that as business owners, we kind of want to avoid just throwing money at the problem. But what was really interesting is that mindset, attitudes, values, and behaviors was significantly more than just pay us more money. How do we embrace the change? Be open to the change. Show us. Lead it. Leadership and the team, uh, working with the team, was 16%. So monetary incentives was uh, 22%. Let me just go through that again. Be open to change was 32%. That was the mindset, attitude, value, and behaviors. Monetary incentives was 22%. Leadership and the team was 16%. And better communication skills, once again, Came in at fourteen percent. Can you see a trend here? It's it's communication.
0: Yeah. Well, if I could just say there with franchising, I mean that's the platform we stand on at, at Franchise Simply is where franchising fails to achieve its its its, its, its potential invariably, um, particularly with up not just with startups but also with established organisations is is communication and the, and that all comes from having. Right training, right support, right systems to be able to really communicate well. Um, and, uh, and our resident psychologist in franchising, Greg Nathan, the founder of Franchise Relationships Institute, who, who works world, worldwide in these areas, would agree with that entirely, communication. But he also says, and picks up on a, a lot of what you've said there, it's really very common, um, is for you know, one key element, don't just say it, you've got to do it. Otherwise, your credibility is out the window. Um, so, uh, and live those values with passion. So, uh, thank you for that. That's, that's some amazing information you've been unselfishly sharing with us there. So, it just, and um, we're never really going to sort of cross over some of these questions I've got for you. But when, when you're leading a change initiative, one of these sort of exercises you're talking about, perhaps looking at longer term with people, um, what, what are the biggest challenges and that you see and that leaders face and how can they overcome them in simple terms
1: I think I think one of the biggest challenges that leaders face depending on the size of the organization or the group or the team that they have is that they are time poor and they want to be able to they, they want to be able to share and communicate their message one to many in other words you want to get a big group of people together and you want to go guys here's what we're doing and Here's the change, and here's what everybody's goals and targets and KPIs and everything else are. Or here's the start of the year, and here's what we want to do. Or here's the start of the week, and here's what we want to do. And they go out and they do it one-to-many. Group talk. That the And while I get that, and while that's really important and that does save them a lot of time, what they miss is they miss the individual feedback that someone will tell you one-on-one. They're not going to stand up in the middle of the room and say it in front of everybody else unless they're super ridiculously frustrated or they're representing some group of people or, or something like that. Um, but they're probably not going to say it. And and so what you're missing, one of the biggest challenges is you know, what's going on with my people during this change. And and I need to know from them what's really happening. And so, a really good solution to this, by the way, is to do something called Rule Fifteen. And and by the way, I I can I can um, I'm ha- happy to share some ideas and slides about this w- with uh, your listeners, and share some of these resources with them as well. Um, but Rule Fifteen is there was a fellow called Bob O'Reilly who worked for a company called Future Electronics, which is. Um, a, a gigantic um, privately owned company run out of Canada, but it's global. And these guys are basically logistics in semiconductors. They're like the middleman between the big electronics manufacturers, the brands that we all know, and all the factories around the world that are making the tiny little component parts. They're, they're like this middleman. And he, he, he was that global head of talent and HR and what he shared was, you know, in all his thirty plus years of leadership training and and sharing ideas with people and going through programs, the single most effective was what he called Rule 15. And rule fifteen is simply investing fifteen minutes per direct report per week. Now, if you've got five direct reports and you're investing 15 minutes in them, one-on-one per week. I mean, obviously, if you're going to invest a lot more, then that's great. But but the idea was 15 minutes per direct report per week having a one-on-one session. And it, this is not rocket science, but it's 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 brilliant in its simplicity, but it's reasonably difficult to execute if you're a time-poor leader. And so if you've got a bunch of... Uh, Let's say you've got five people, 15 minutes a week is going to take you an hour and 15 minutes out of your already busy week. Now, it's much easier to go and spend, you know, 15, 30 minutes with all five of them at once going, guys, you know, what do you think? And or or, we're going to do this. What do you think about that? Or we're going to do this and I want you to do that. Um, When they're all in the room, typically, again, only the two talkative ones are going to talk and the other three or five or 10 or however many people in your group are just going to sit there and listen and not say anything. But when you do these 15 minute meetings, you build trust, you build a relationship, and you open the door to find out what the truth is as to what's going on in the organization. I've been a consultant in my my previous day, my previous years before doing uh, this uh, keynote speaking and training programs. I did some consulting work when I came out of corporate. And I was consulting for a number of years. And what I pretty much found when I was working in corporate as well as uh, consulting to corporate is that. The, the senior level, the leaders, would say, look, here's the problem that we have. Um, feel free to go and talk to some people in our organization, but this is the problem that we have, and we need some solutions for this. And what I would do, or the consultants that would come in would do, is come and talk to the frontline people and say, well, apparently this is the problem. They go, yeah, that's a problem, and here's what we need to do to fix it. This, 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 and this, but nobody's listening. And then the consultant goes back to the the senior level and go, well, here's the things that we could do to fix it. This, 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 and this. And the people go, wow, that's brilliant. And they pay the consultant lots and lots and lots of money. But if they'd only (laughs) really just, if they'd listen to their staff, they would be getting a lot of these possible solutions. One of the challenges that leaders have is because I'm the leader, I should know more than all of my people. But actually, if you're a really good leader and have hired brilliant people around you, you should be hiring people that know more than you. you know, that they're better at you. I mean, I've hired an accountant that is a much better accountant than I am. And I think we've all probably got accountants that are better accountants than us. Um, But what about all the other people in our business? It's great that we know how to do all the little bits and pieces in our business, but if we're starting to delegate or get other people to do it or bringing people on board, we need to have the best people we can doing those jobs because it's going to make it a heck of a lot easier for us. And uh, certainly the best people that we can afford. Uh, The best people might cost too much, but the best people that we can afford doing those sorts of things. And then investing that 15 minutes on that on uh, once a week with each of your people, is it's going to pay itself off in, in spades. Then, now, the thing is, if you haven't done this and you don't really have a close relationship with your staff, the challenge is you can't go in there for the first 15 minutes and go, okay, well, we're having these 15-minute meetings now, so tell me what's happening. Because maybe they don't trust you yet. So you, But you can, I mean, if you think about all the things you can do in 15 minutes, or um, well, if you had five hours with your, with, with one-on-one with a staff member, what are all the things you can do in five hours? We'll just take one of those things and do it in fifteen minutes. So one of the things you could do is you can go. So uh, you could say, "How's progress on this particular project?" You can go. You can say, "Well, how are things going with with regards to this and that?" Or you could ask them, "What help do you need?" Or "What obstacles are getting in the way of doing these things faster?" Um, there's a number of different things. So. Rule 15 is one of my big tips that I tend to share with, with organizations and audiences all around the world. Um, so I'm going to put that down as tip, is, is, is a tip. So I think I was 10 quick tips. That's one of them. Uh, rule 15. Invest, oh, very valid. In, yeah, invest 15 minutes with each of your direct reports one-on-one each week. Now, I would ho- also highly encourage you, if you want to do this, I would hi- highly encourage you to say, we're going to do this for six weeks or eight weeks some manageable time frame rather than we're going to do this forever and then you get too busy and you don't do it. Um, The challenge is if you say we're going to do this 15-minute meeting once a week uh, for the next six weeks, the challenge is when you get really busy and you have to push something to next week, don't push the 15-minute meeting because what you're communicating to your staff is you matter less than this. And if we're leading by example, it's you matter more Um, One of the organizations here, a huge retail organization, similar to Harvey Norman, um, what they got me and and, uh, some of my team in to do, to work with their thousands of people, was a cultural shift in their corporate values. And one of them changed from customer first, and it changed from customers being first to employees being first, a really interesting change. When they shifted from customer first to employee first, the idea was that their managers and their people would start to go, and the team would start to go, how do I help my teammates succeed in this on the shop floor in this business? How do we help each other? Because when we're doing that, we're creating a visible culture of a family-like, wonderful, happy team rather than a bunch of people competing to... To serve the customer and when the customer sees that especially with online being a huge competitor to bricks and mortar sort of stores um they there the evidence is that the loyalty goes up from the customer because they want to do business in a store like that you want to do business when the store owner is is happy and 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 chirpy and charming and in fact you would walk further to do business with them than the grumpy old cantankerous one um, who really you know, doesn't like you. Unless you're buying milk and it doesn't matter where you get it from, uh, if it's something that you're buying, you, know, you want to buy it from somebody who's, who's personable. So we've got to be there to our people as well.
0: Yeah, this comes back to the, the, the culture, doesn't it? If you've got that atmosphere, uh, that sense within any business of the team, that really, as you, as you say, it comes through because they're, they're, they've got the energy so you get all those intangibles that you describe, um, yep. sort of, and, and we sense those. Yeah. No about it. I, I, I think looking at that Rule Fifteen, you know, we kick off with, with one of the sayings that uh, I've heard frequently is, you know, just sit down once a month and have a cup of coffee. Um, and that's a good. I, I guess that's a good way to start, isn't it? If you're looking at introducing these sorts of sessions to make it relaxed rather than intimidating.
1: That's a brilliant way to do it because you're going to have a cup of coffee anyway. Um, just. Share the time, have it one-on-one with each of your staff. If you if you decide that Wednesday is going to be your you know your meeting day with everyone, you might end up having five cups of coffee and you're buzzing by the end of it. But but if you uh, <laughs> so you might want to sort of manage it out a little bit. Maybe have it you know each day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But the the challenge is, I guess, if you're missing on one of those days, you've got to make up for it, and, and you just you've got to make sure that your schedule allows you time to to ensure that those 15-minute meetings happen, which is why I suggest limiting it to six weeks. Over the next six weeks, we're going to do something. It's a 15-minute one. At the end of the six weeks, you can keep it going if you want to, but you've also given yourself permission to change the rules a little bit if you're finding that that was a bit much. But you can be on your best behavior for six weeks. Yeah. (laughs) And there's a a bunch of different things you can do in the 15 minutes. You can mentor, you can coach, you can train, you can check on uh, results, you can give them some ideas about how to solve problems. You can ask them what they think about uh, ways to solve different problems. What do you think about a particular initiative? What do you think about a particular client? Or how do we solve this particular problem? Just to see what they think. And the other thing you can do is you can say, you know, hey, I heard about your dad, uh, are you okay? You know, do you need some time off? And you can just build a relationship on personal stuff like that as well.
0: Brilliant. Tim, you're a fast resource, I've got to tell you, and you're dropping so much information here. Um, I've got a few more questions to get through, so let's, let's get into these. So, look, my next question is, um, following on from our conversation there before, you may say you covered it, but how, how do you increase team and individual motivation, because that's one of your keynotes. Um, so, perhaps you could share a little bit of, uh, of your good oil on
1: that one. Yeah, okay. Um, so, I'm also conscious of everybody's time, so I'll speed up a little bit in some of these. Um, but, But with how do you increase team and individual motivation, one of them is... Um, helping people increase their accountability. So one of the things that, uh, and their clarity. So one of the things I I teach is how to coach your people. And that is how to be a coach. And the brilliant thing about coaching is that you don't actually have to have the answers for anything. You just have to have the questions. And one of the brilliant ways to do that, you can do that in your rule 15. You You can also train your people to coach each other, which is which is also a very clever thing to do because when they're coaching each other, they're starting to hold each other accountable and they're starting to form uh, mini masterminds and you can expand that into actual bigger masterminds. But you, the best way to increase team and individual motivation is engagement. And the other, the other really excellent way is that they see the results coming in. You know, when, when people see that th- there is a result to their hard work um, they feel great, there is, there is validation, there's justification, and there's reward. Um, but the other way to do it is to make sure that everybody's engaged. And so if, if, if I, I'll just share some, some um, coaching questions really easily. If you just write down these questions, and I'll share them, I'll give you, a, I'll share everybody's slides of this as well, if that's helpful. But really great questions that increase clarity and accountability. When people are clear what, what they need to do, then they can do it and they can succeed. When, it, when it's ambiguous, then it gets a bit challenging. And the other thing is to let people be heard. So we talked about the letting people be heard in the Rule 15, but here's some key co- coaching questions. And that lots of people ask coaching questions all, you know, you can, you can go online, and find lots of different coaching questions, but if you put them all in a frying pan or a boiling pot and you boil them all down to the essential questions, these are them. First of all, what do you want to change or improve? Great question for anybody. What is it that you want to change or improve? And then the second, the follow-up question to that, and if they go, I don't know, then, then you go, well, think about it. I mean, what is it that you want to change or improve? About your business, about your health, about your whatever it is, about your relationships, about the way that we communicate in business, about the way that we speak to clients, about the way that we get clients, about the way we increase revenue, whatever it is. So what is it you want to change or improve? Then the next question is, why is this important to you? And, and you might want to dig a little bit, yeah. But why else? I mean, is there any other reasons why this is really important to you? And you might get out of them, look, it's really important to me because um, I've invested a lot in this, and I really want to make this work for my family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when you get down to that level, you've got some leverage. You know, I want, I want to create something great for my daughter. I want to, I want to do something for myself. I want to be able to to earn this and to have this freedom or whatever it is. Find out the real reason, why is this important to you? If you don't find out why it's important to them, they go, well, it's not really important to me, it's important to you. Then then their their motivation is not gonna be as high as if it was important to them. So what do you wanna change or improve? Why is this important to you? And then the next question is, how will you make it happen? This is where you're getting an idea of, do they have a plan or do they have a way to make it happen? And if they're stuck, you can start helping them. By when will you achieve or complete this? Now you're not telling them you have to achieve or complete this by next Friday or by the end of the month. You're saying by when will you achieve or complete this? You know, by when do you want to have this done by? And you might see that and they go, well, I know it needs to be done by the end of the month, so I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna make sure that it's done by the end of next week, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so you're getting them to take accountability rather than you tell them their accountability. By when do you need to achieve or complete this? Who else needs to be involved? Fabulous question. They might go, well, you need to be involved because I need your help on this and this and this. And so does George over there in, in the accounts department or whatever it is. I mean, or we need some clients to do this or whatever. And so they're starting to think about who are the resources, who are the people, who in the network do we need to get involved? And if we're missing some people, maybe we need to go out and find them, hire them, or bring them in for a short period. Or if we know somebody to say, "Hey, do you have anyone who can do this? And we can just meet up with them for a couple of hours and take them to lunch. Uh, and then pick their brain, um, or get them on a podcast, or something like that. So who else needs to be involved? And then really critical questions. What might stop you? A really great question. And uh, not very many people ask this question, but when when we start saying what might stop you, and they go, well, this and this and this could happen, the next question is how can you overcome that? So that they start to sort of formulate a plan Look, if something like that would happen, I would do this and this and this, so that they're kind of ready, rather than oh well, I didn't get it done because that happened, you know. And we use it as an excuse not to continue, rather than well, I'd overcome it by doing this. I'm kind of ready for it. Of course, you could get thrown a curveball, and and you know we well, if it's Australian audience, we you know we could be thrown a clip, a flipper, you know, and we we didn't quite we didn't quite get it. So how do we overcome that? Um, Yeah, so get people to think about different ways that they can overcome it. Okay, great. And then the last couple of questions are, when will you start? Now, we may assume that they're going to start immediately or they started last week or they're certainly starting tomorrow or first thing Monday morning or whatever it is. But they might go, you know what? I'm going to start immediately. And you can challenge them and go, really? Because uh, what other priorities do you have to complete before this? Or, you know, so let's make it realistic as to when they're going to start. I want them to start right away. If it's the most important thing, then great, go for it. But if, if there's a few other things on their priority list, let's get them doing that. And then, can you send me a report? This is a great question, and I, I'll share some ideas about a report in a, a little while. But can you send me a report? If, and that is, just drop me an email or a WhatsApp message or an SMS or something or other. Send me, send me something that says, here's where I'm up to on that thing that we discussed remember? And so send me a report. And the important part about sending a report is that they send you a regular update as to where they're at. And I'll structure a report for you guys in just a second. But um, can you send me a report? And they go, sure. And they go, when would be a great time to do that? And they go, uh, end of the week. And you go, well, maybe end of the week isn't the best time. Maybe in like last thing Friday, where everything is pushed to the last thing on Friday, and then people want to get out of there. Maybe that's not the best time. When do they have a lull in their schedule usually? And they go, well, um, 10 o'clock Wednesday morning, and okay, well, how about you make your weekly report 10 o'clock Wednesday morning? You just give me an update, uh, even if it's you know Monday now. You, yeah, just send me a report started on a Wednesday, and then keep keep giving me an update report on Wednesday, so that I know that this thing's coming through. By the way, that's a really good um, getting people to send in those sorts of reports is a really good way to test somebody who you've hired that's in probation. If they can't even do something like report on their own progress and they can't do that regularly and they're missing those deadlines, that's a bit of a red flag as to whether or not this person is going to be able to deliver. So we at least want them to be able to deliver a simple report about what they're doing. And the final thing to do in that in that coaching session is to celebrate. And I know it sounds a bit sort of, you know, rah-rah-ish to celebrate, but even if celebrating is high five and to say to them, hey, look, I... Thank you for that. It, this sounds really good. You want to change this. It's important to you. You're going to make this happen by doing this. You've got some things to, over, you know, if things can stop you. These people need to be involved. You're starting it on this day. You're sending a report. Um, you know, how do you feel right now? And they go, yeah, I feel pretty, pretty good about this. And it's, like, you know, give them a high five go. You know, I really believe that you can do this. You can make this happen. So you're giving them some encouragement rather than, well, it sounds like you're bitten off a lot more than you can chew. And I don't think you can do this. It'd, it'd be better to go. I reckon you can do this. Let's make this happen so that they want to do it, and the celebration is is you know the high five and you know I really believe you can do this, is integrating into them that it's almost like giving them a win for having come up with that these are the things that they're going to do to make them feel good. Now they don't want to let you down because you kind of pre celebrated doing it. Now they need to go out and actually get it done. And I got some follow up questions that I'll send in a document. Um, uh, make available that if they completed the tasks, here are the questions to so ask next. If they didn't, here are some of the questions that you can ask, but they all circulate back to these these sorts of questions. And it's it's really important... Wait,
0: wait, wait, yeah. we, sorry, carry
1: on. I was just going to say, it's really imp- uh, there was a study done in 2007 at the Dominican University of California where they were looking at how do we increase goal accomplishment? Uh, how do we in- increase people's ability to get more done on their to-do list. And one of the things, there was four four steps. The way that this study was done is they got lots of different groups of people to have their goals and to do these different styles of activities. Um, And this was a real study. I've heard lots of other studies about, you know, write down your goals in Harvard and Yale in 1952 and stuff like that. Those those studies never happened. This particular study did. And what they found was the four steps to further increasing goal accomplishment for you or for your people is to write down those goals or those things that you want to accomplish. It's like the to-do list. It's to write down, these are the big things I want to be able to do. Articulate your next steps. That's more of the to-do list, I suppose. But the next step is really important. I don't need to articulate every single step. I need to articulate my next steps. It's like you could drive from Brisbane to Sydney on roads without any lights in the middle of the night. You could do it because you've got lights in your car. And all you need to be able to see is you know, 50 yards in front of you because by the time you you move closer, you can see the next 50 yards. So all we need to do is articulate what's the next thing I need to do. And then, uh, so the the first two, write down your goals, articulate your next steps for each goal, and those are about clarity. The next two, tell someone and report progress regularly, are about accountability. So I'm gonna tell you, my manager, I'm gonna tell you, my coaching buddy, I'm gonna tell you these are the things I'm gonna do and we're gonna report progress regularly, maybe in a meetup, maybe in a quick email, um, here's what here's what we're working on, and those things are from a, from a behavioral science study. And the coaching questions I just shared with you are basically taking that and turning it into something we can meaningfully use. So that's how I would increase individual and team motivation. <laughs> long long answer, no, short no, question. I've no, no,
0: got some amazing stuff there. Look, um, we run out of time. What I'd like to do though is to wrap up with what well, I think it would be an important question that everyone would like to hear the answer to. Um, What what are your top tips for managers uh, who are looking to develop themselves as leaders? We've mentioned in here you've covered quite a bit about about leadership and it being one of the things that came up in the polls and so on. So what what would be your your quick sort of um, uh, recommendation as far as that's concerned? Uh,
1: I guess, I think, um, let's see. I, I think three things. Thing number one would be, Find out, we, we all have blind spots. We think we're doing a pretty good job at, at it or, or we know that there are areas that we can improve but there's still a blind spots where other people um, think that we need to be able to do this but they haven't told us. What's really interesting is as a manager or as a leader is to, is to kind of do a 360 degree evaluation of yourself. Um, there's a couple of different ways to do that. One is to ask your staff what three things, if I did these, would make me an even better manager? And use the words even better manager, not would make me a good manager, because that's presupposing that you're a bad manager. But to, to say, you know, what would make me, what, what three things, if I, did this, if, I, um, if I did this, would make me an even better manager? And there's a couple of exercises that I do with this one. One is called stop, keep, start, which is what do I need to stop doing? What should I keep doing? And what should I start doing? That's another way to do it. And you get everybody in the room, and they all go around, and they meet everybody, and go, you should stop doing this, you keep doing this, you should start doing that. And you could, you could do that. I mean, there's a, you're opening a Pandora's box for you know, people going, oh, and getting some feedback, but if they're all open to getting that feedback, uh, that's, that's really interesting. And as a manager, to do that yourself, to lead by example, and to do it first is to go, you know, this is a really useful exercise. So you can ask your staff, you can also ask your peers, you can also ask your coaches or your mentors or your managers, or if you've got managers. Um, if you don't have any managers, you can ask your, your, your wife, your husband your, or, or some people that you respect and trust in the industry, you know, that know you. Um, what do you think I should stop doing, keep doing, start doing? And, or what are, what are, what are the things that would make me an even better manager? And the other thing is to have a training schedule, is to, is to, is to have a, I created something called Me Day, um, which is on this, this day, it could be once a month, I'm going to, I'm basically going to do a program, a course, or learn something. And it could be once a week, once a month. Um, and, but on that particular day, I'm going to invest in myself. And I'm, going to, and I'm going to mindfully invest in growing some part of me or developing some part of me that's going to make me even more effective at, at running my business, growing my business, developing my people. So, so ask people for some feedback, then put in a plan for yourself to, to, um, to start working on those particular areas to, to get even better. And when they give you the feedback, say, thank you, not, well, I'm already doing that. I mean, don't sort of justify it and, and dismiss it, but go, hey, thanks for your feedback. Because you might notice that a bunch of people are saying the same thing and you thought you are already doing it. So clearly we're not doing it to the level that people were expecting or think that we could. Um, That would be something. If you don't want to lose face in front of your people and and be less in front of your people, then at least ask peers and people that you respect, hey, what can I do better as a manager? But asking your people would be really interesting um, to say what can we do even better? And then you could ask them, now you go and I've done that, now you go and ask your people what you could do even better and and come back and share with me, and then you can work off that when people are saying this. But it's it's a really good self-awareness to then go, okay, I'm gonna step up to the next level now. Yeah.
0: It's like a fabulous process, actually, yeah. It's, uh as you say, you, you know, bite, bite the bullet and do it, and you'll gain respect as well as learn a lot. So, yeah, um, Tim, um if, if we can wrap up there, if that's all right? I don't know if there's any last comment you want to make before I just run into a little bit of a summary.
1: I. I okay there is one one quick thing that I want to do because I'm conscious that I've I feel like I've shared a lot of Stuff, but I don't know whether I shared 10 quick tips because it took a long took a while So I want to do something really really I want to do something really quickly What I'm going to do is I'm going to share with everybody 52 productivity tips I'm not going to do it right now, but uh, I'm going to share 52 productivity tips. It's all on one sheet They're there. Oh, no, it's on two sheets they're, they're pretty short, but I want to share just 10 of them now. Can I? Do we have time for that? It, it'll take about a minute and a half. Far
0: in, Okay. Far away, far away.
1: Okay. So uh, let's see. Productivity tip number five. No, number six. Um, productivity increases if you know exactly what to do now and what can be delayed. Get clarity on your purpose. What, what do I need to do now to get to that particular goal? Kind of like what I was talking about with coaching. Uh, so that's one tip. Number... Number eight, make your next 90-day goals specific and clearly identifiable. Target accomplishment over mere activity. So what am I going to accomplish in the next 90 days and make it make it very, very specific? People talk about SMART goals. That's about being specific and have a deadline on it. Um, another one for goals, uh, take a bit of a checkpoint. Um, what's your vision? Where are you going? Well, where's the business going? Where are you taking it? What's the mission? How are you going there? What are we going to do? To get to that particular milestone of that vision and purpose, why are you going there? That's that why one. Uh, really interesting exercise to just take a sheet of paper and write down, you know, what's our vision, what's our mission, what's our purpose, and share that with your people or ask them what it is. Uh, from that was goals. From measures, that was three tips. So from measures, uh, measure. Let's see, measure the productivity tip number twenty-five. Um, If a repeated task has several distinct parts, uh, time yourself for each part, and when you compare yourself against yourself, which part can you improve? This is about incrementally increasing productivity on repetitive tasks. Can be a really interesting thing to do for your staff. I did this with 300 people, and it was uh, quite an incredible result as to how they could increase productivity. We ended up increasing productivity for 300 people by between 17 and 21% that's a lot of productivity with 300 people, that's 21% is like 60 extra people. It was a growing business, it meant we didn't have to hire the extra 60 people um, until you know, the workload got that high. But that, that was pretty amazing, and we were able to keep that for the year that I was measuring it. Um, the other one was uh, using a, a stopwatch, like in your phone or, or buying one, uh, and timing the various things that you do. One of the things I, I found really amazing was to, it's, it's an app called Talking Timer. So I had some music playing while I was doing some stuff and I had Talking Timer going on. And what the Talking Timer did was it counted down from 20 minutes or whatever I set, it counted it down. So it would go 20 minutes and then you'd be doing stuff. And like, I'm gonna get this thing done in the next 20 minutes. And then it would go 19 minutes and you go, where the heck did that first minute go? And then after a while, you know, you could set how you could set five minute intervals, one minute intervals, you can count it down every second. That's a bit strange, but it's not bad to do for the last 60 seconds. But to have a countdown timer really gets you racing the clock and you'd be surprised how much you actually get done. That's a really cool one.
0: Interesting, um, I love that. Couple love more, that.
1: Um, Cu- couple, just uh, two more because I wanna make sure that um, we got the 10 quick fire tips. Um, this one is about stakeholders. Reduce the frequency or duration of meetings by 50%. The frequency or duration of meetings by 50%. I don't mean the, the rule 15 one, because now you're down to seven and a half minutes. But, but all the other meetings that we have, if you have regular meetings all the time, think of ways, how do we reduce the frequency of those meetings or the duration of the meetings? And the big question is why? And, and, the, reason is, and this, uh, the reason is most meetings start late, they expand unnecessarily, and they're unprofitable. And nobody's doing any work while they're sitting in the meeting room talking about stuff. Now meetings are, are important, but sometimes we have meetings for the sake of having meetings. Let's get rid of them. And some cool cool techniques for having shorter meetings is get rid of all the chairs in the room, make sure everyone's standing up. Then they get uncomfortable. Or do it right before lunch, so they want to get everything done by their, to go off to have lunch or something like that. But but uh, reduce the frequency of meetings because a lot of them are just nonsense. Um, and two more. Uh, let's see. Um, uh productivity tip number 60 69. Okay, so this one is create a folder of templates or document or a document of frequently used sentences or paragraphs. So what I have is I've got a, um, I've got a notepad on my on my computer and I have key phrases that I use all the time. Or some of my proposals are, are done on PowerPoint. I use Keynote because I have a map, but it's effectively uh, a Mac, but it's uh, effectively PowerPoint. And what I have is different chunks on each slide. And for that particular client, if they if I'm not proposing that, I just hide the slide, print the PDF, super easy, and just reveal the ones I want to use, hide the ones I don't want to use, and it just makes proposal writing super super fast. Um, it's systemizing, but you franchise guys, super systems people anyway. And the final one I just wanted to share is productivity tip number 92. I'm sharing 52, but this is number 92. Um, You've got high standards for yourself. That's great. Um, But also balance, balance, self-criticism, celebrate your wins more and practice thanking you practice, thanking yourself and go, you know, that was really good. This is a really good week. That was a really good day. And just and just really celebrating it rather than it's about time and sort of still beating yourself up. It's, it's go out there and celebrate those wins and, and also celebrate the wins of your team because that creates momentum, motivation, morale, and, and more of the same. We want, to, we want more of those celebrations, so we're going to hold ourselves to that higher standard and deliver. That's it. That's my 10 quick fire tips.
0: Tim, that's fantastic, it's been delightful talking to you, it really has, and, uh, I really indebted to you, you've given us a lot of time, you've given us so much information here, it's mind blowing, and, and I, I anticipated this, so a little secret to share with everybody in a moment, but I'm sure everyone will join me and say it's been a privilege having you along, great to get to know you and to hear your words of wisdom, my goodness me, you, you certainly know your t- topic, there's no doubt about that, but also um, when we were talking earlier you agreed if, if people like to learn more... About you and your business is called Tim Wade. Yep. Very simply, uh, I think you're going to create a link where they can go to grab some information. So um, I'll just I'll just read that out to them now. So uh, if you go to www. tim that's t i m. dot s g for Singapore s g forward slash franchise. So www. tim Dot sg forward slash franchise and I'll write that in the email that comes out as well for you. You can grab a bunch of information that Tim will have laid up there, resources and links and so forth. So once he's done that, there'll also be further information and knowledge you can access if you want to uh, dig deep deeper with Tim and his uh, his absolute wealth of knowledge. So uh, Tim, j- just to wrap it up, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I really do, mate. It was really kind of you. Um, and to say... Uh, Basically, this is Brian Key from Franchise Simply signing off. Looking forward to the next show, and uh, Tim, it's an opportunity for you to say farewell to our listeners.
1: Thank you very much for having me, and it's been a it's been a pleasure chatting to you all. Please communicate and connect with me. It'd be great to get to know you and help help you out if I've got resources that can help you as well. Thanks, Brian. It's been been awesome chatting to you as well.
0: Great, so look forward to speaking to you all on our next franchise radio show. Over and out, and uh, have a great uh, rest of your day.